0: The Sin of Our Fathers podcast. I'm your host, Mark Coon, joined as always by my oldest brother, Michael Coon. I'm feeling rested. I got a trip away. I had my bye week. Um, I'm feeling good. Here we go. Michael's bye week always coincides with the Browns' bye week. That's how dedicated he is. And my middle brother, Matthew Coon.
1: I, along with Mark, was here watching your kids while you were gone. So I do not good. share this same like, rested experience. <laughs> it was it was a good situation
2: um it
0: was an enjoyable weekend um i missed watching the browns but it was also nice not to have anything that you absolutely had to do um there's a freedom that comes with that there is a certain freedom that i feel during the off season um to do whatever everyone else wants me to do um, <laughs> uh, so uh this week as has become a tradition um we got the chance to have a conversation with Dane Brugler. Um, Draft analyst for the a- athletic. And so we talked to him earlier this evening, and here is that conversation. All right. Well, Dane, thanks so much for coming on the pod. This has become a tradition, a bi week tradition, and we thank you for upholding it for us, and our listeners really, really appreciate it. So thanks for being on.
3: Well, as soon as I saw the bi week in the Brown schedule, I, I started looking at my phone. I'm like, all right, when am I getting a text? <laughs> <laughs> When are we doing this? Uh, no, ha- happy to join you guys once again.
0: Oh, sweet. Well, um, I, I suppose. Uh, actually, you know what? Um, have you been doing any uh, barbecuing lately? I think Michael's actually itching to talk to you about his barbecue. Um, so I'm just gonna, yes. I'm gonna, just gonna segue that conversation for you two.
2: Yeah, you saw my brisket. It it wasn't too bad.
3: So uh, well, on I mean, it looked great, but uh, obviously, looks looks are you know that's good, but the taste. That, that's the most important so how, how from one to ten what was it taste wise
2: i'd give it like an eight or a nine it was uh, it was hey, pretty it was pretty darn good
0: i'm not gonna lie it, it was I, I i tried it and it was an eight or a nine it was better than any brisket i've had at a restaurant any time recently
3: if you do brisket right i mean there's nothing better there, there's that that is some of the best bite you can have uh you know just it looked like you had a good smoke ring. It looked like there were some juices flowing out of there. So you didn't overdo it. I mean, it looked yep. like you were... How, how long did it take you? Okay. <laughs> you asked the
2: right question. You asked the right question. So I got a brand new pellet smoker. So I was excited because nice. I felt like I could regulate the temperature really well and it was going to be fine. Yeah. And all I... I cooked just a flat. I didn't have the full, the full thing. I just cooked the flat. Yeah. And... I was thinking worst case scenario, it'd be like 16 hours to cook this thing, like worst case scenario. Literally, it took 27 hours <laughs> to, to cook a seven and a half pound brisket flat um, wow. at 240 degrees. I mean, it was ridiculous. It was yeah, it ridiculous. Wasn't
3: even, it wasn't even the whole at the point and the flat. It was just the flat.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It was wow. insane. Anyways, every all the research I did went like completely out the window, and I was like, "All right, we're just st- sticking with the steady temperature, and here we go."
3: You, you can't rush perfection. So yeah. I, mean, it's that, that, I, I have not heard of a cook that long for that small of a brisket, but it, I mean, that's, it became that's a breakfast wild.
1: brisket pretty quickly. Yeah.
3: How many pellets did you go through?
2: Um, it was a couple bags, not not yeah. not, not a full. It was like 30, 30 pounds, basically, of pellets. Yeah, sounds like it was worth it, though. It was. It was so good. It was so good. All right, let's talk about some football. Um, thinking a little bit about, you know, this last draft class and what we've seen from the first half of the year so far, um, curious if there's a couple players that really, like, jump out to you that, like, have surprised you in any particular way. I mean, Browns are not Browns, like, um, what, what? who are some players that you've been, like, pleasantly surprised by looking at this first half of the year?
3: I think you have to start with justin herbert um with what he's done with the chargers i mean my goodness um he he i thought there'd be a little bit more of an adjustment period for him um he he wasn't even supposed to be the starter he got, got thrust into that role yeah sorry tyrod uh but I mean, <laughs> worst luck in the world oh my god i know you got to feel for him uh and but herbert i mean once he got in there it was no looking back he, he's played outstanding i mean he, I'm still a Joe Burrow guy, I mean, I still think Joe Burrow, if I had a choice of any of these quarterbacks from this, this rookie class, I'm still going Burrow just because I, I think he's special when it comes to, you know, the uh, the composure part of it, uh, the, the poise, his ability to read the, the defense and know where to go, just the, the mind games that it takes. I'm still going Burrow, but Herbert, some of these uh, deep throws that he's putting the, out there are the so impressive. Yeah, I, and, you know, he – he was a four-year starter. I mean, we saw a lot of them at Oregon, um, and they didn't let him rip it like this uh, in college, at least not on a consistent basis. So, really, really awesome to see him kind of thrive like this. And you know, when a lot of people had their doubts, including myself, I, mean, I still thought he was a first-round quarterback, but um, I don't think anybody expected this uh, this early. So, good to see that from him. Um, you know, Chase Claypool with what he's doing in Pittsburgh. You know, I he he was always a, a height, weight, speed marvel, um, and that was that's great. But at the same time, there's he didn't always play up to that speed. He didn't always uh, he didn't always see the polish in his routes. And credit to the Steelers. I mean, that's uh, that's what they they do. They find these receivers and they put them in the position to succeed. And that's what uh, they've done with uh, Claypool as you know, really their their third receiver, and he's just he's thriving. So that's been pretty good uh it's great to see harrison bryant with the browns get um opportunities you know with njoku when he's been out and then uh hooper when he's been out bryant's had a chance to really step up uh you know brown's running a lot of two tight end sets uh and that's really been a great opportunity for him yeah Uh, we cheer on
2: we enjoy cheering on mr alligator arms every week
3: That uh, that fumble was brutal against the Raiders, but I mean, uh, besides that, he he leads all rookie tight ends in just about every category. So, um, you know, those are just a few of the names that I think come to mind immediately as guys that have surprised a little bit. Um, I mean, Bryant, I don't know that he's necessarily surprised, but um, you know, credit to the Browns where they got him in the fourth round. I thought he was a, a top 100 pick. I thought he should have gone somewhere late three. Browns got him in round four, and it's it's already paying off yeah
1: speaking of like height weight speed guys what's going on with isaiah simmons in arizona i mean everybody expected him to come in and we i mean as browns fans i mean he was talked about it um at number 10 if he was available um hasn't even really seen the field had that interception on the like third play of the game that he played a couple weeks back but other than that hasn't seen much game time
3: that's it yeah we don't even know um you know, of how he can perform. Cause it's, he's played, I think like 80 snaps the whole year or something. I mean, just we haven't had a chance to see him on the field. And so it's, is it a comp is, is it him not knowing the playbook? Is it the Cardinals not knowing where to play him? Uh, it's probably a combination of both where they just, they're, they're not finding that right spot. And, you know, for the Cardinals, a team that's played well this year uh, to not, not be getting any production out of a top 10 pick like that is really, really disappointing. So, uh, now okay second half of the year coming up let's let's see what what he can do um you know you, you hope he's able to get on the field in some capacity whether even if it's just some packages uh you know just get him on the field more and more uh let him have a chance to show what he can do such a phenomenal athlete um but it, it's it, it's interesting now that you know we talked all draft season how this is the ideal you know, modern day NFL linebacker because he can just do everything. And well, I mean, we're we're seeing how tough it is to play in the league, um, you know, and, and he, he's getting a crash course in that. And so hopefully we just get a chance to see him on the field to, to better understand if, you know, he can do this or not. And it, we're not just kind of trying to guess what, what, what's really wrong and what's going on in Arizona.
2: I'm happy for him. I mean, I think it makes sense that there's like definitely a learning curve and I, it's not a complete shock to me that he hasn't played that much. It's good for him that the Cardinals are playing well because there yeah. would be a lot of eyeballs and a lot of fire around there if like he's not on the field and they're like not performing well. So I think that's a good right. situation for him right now with how it's playing out for their season. Great point. Great point.
0: So I got a question for Browns fan Dane Brugler. Um, yeah. you, you've watched the games um, yeah. and you've seen the defense struggle. Um, how much do you think Grant Delpit would have helped this team and this secondary? Do you think that we would have used him like we've been using Andrew Sandeho, um, or do you think we would have played him up in the box a little bit more? We know he's a coming in. You even mentioned like he's a he's an animal um, when he's playing forward moving up towards the line of scrimmage. Do you think he would have been played like Sendejo, or how do you think he would fit into this defense?
3: I, I just, first of all, I hope none of Sendejo's relatives are listening. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, it's, it's been rough. Uh, I mean, he's good for, you know, a, a hard hit here and there. Uh, and he plays hard. Yeah. I, you know, I give him that, but man, he just makes so many mistakes, especially in coverage. Yeah. And he, he comes in too hot all the time and it's just I don't know I mean he's he's definitely a liability out there and it's just it's just too bad because we should be seeing Grant Delpit out there and you know he's robbed of a full year of development and it's just it's really too bad because you know two years in a row the Browns had a chance or they they got a a steal in the second round with an LSU defensive back and here neither of them can stay healthy uh which is uh probably part of the reason they fell to the second round, but you know, it's just, it's just a shame. Um, I I do think Grant Delpit would have been an upgrade. I don't know if that's saying much uh, with the way Sandejo's played, but uh, (laughs) Delpit, I mean, he, with the range that he plays with, and listen, him missing tackles in, at LSU, that was a real thing. I mean, that, that was a, I mean, real criticism. People were, you know, uh, oh he was injured, this and that. No, I mean, he was missing tackles the year before too. I mean, that's just a part of his game. He's, it needs to get better in that area. But when you talk about range, when you talk about ball awareness, uh, that's where he can help you out. And I, I think plugging him in, uh, that would have definitely had a ripple effect and helped other members of that secondary. But, I mean, the Brown's defense as a whole, they, you know, I, it's just it's a shame we can't see him at full health because not only Delpit, it, but really want to see what Phillips can do at linebacker. You know, I wish they were getting more production out of uh, that second pass rush spot opposite Miles. Uh, I mean, Garrett's still a defensive player of the year candidate, and he he has almost no help out there. I mean, he's getting doubled and chips. I mean, it's just phenomenal what he's doing. Um, So, I mean, that defense—they they've got pieces. Denzel Ward hasn't been necessarily Pro Bowl, but he's been good enough um you know they've got pieces and it's just can they stay healthy and you know it's uh, you you feel pretty good that they're going to go defense uh in this upcoming draft probably in free agency so uh you know hopefully they get better on that side of the ball
2: no doubt no doubt so speaking of the defensive side of the ball a move that the browns and andrew Berry made um this preseason has kind of been in the back of our minds and has come up on our podcast a couple times is that the Browns um, sniped Curtis Weaver from the Dolphins. Um, He was a part of this, you know, the last draft cycle has had injury concerns, so we're not going to see any of him this year. But that's a potential option uh, across Miles Garrett, at least for some snaps in the future. But um, we haven't had a chance to talk to you about Curtis Weaver in particular out of Boise State. Like, what kind of skill set does he bring? And what as you kind of look ahead and see him, you know, as an option for the Browns, like, do you think – what what should we expect? I guess is what I should say.
3: Well, I think first of all, it's just can you hope he stays on the field and healthy? Um, that uh, he he's been dinged up a lot, um, and uh, his final year at Boise, he, he played through it, played a full season. But year before he was banged up, year before he was banged up, and so I think first of all, just can he stay healthy out there? That that's the biggest thing. Um, no the, the the pros with him is he plays with energy i, I mean he he plays with uh, a lot of fire plays quick um and that's something that you know, you, you can see pretty quickly off the tape um i mean he, the way he can move the way he gets after it, um, it you, you love the way he uses introduces his hands into the rush um th- that's something that he, he showed at a, a young age at Boise state and just got better and better and better his his ability to swat away blockers i mean that that's Uh, Definitely a positive to take away when you watch him at Boise. Um, He's not—he's not a big-time athlete. Uh, He's more energy than he is, uh, you know, quick twitch uh, in terms of the way he plays. But with the way he'll introduce his hands and introduce power into his rush, uh, there's—that's why you believe that he can make it. So first off, needs to stay healthy. Uh, And then, second of all, uh, you just want to see him continue to to grow that his arsenal of moves because that's his ability to use his hands, his ability to uh, play with uh, power. That's going to be the key to him making it or not. He's not a great athlete, but at the same time, you know, he's just he's a fun guy to watch play and go out there and hunt quarterbacks. So hopefully, we can see him uh, healthy and back on the field. Because I mean, last time we saw him, he was productive at Boise State. I mean, he had almost 50 tackles for a loss in his career there um and so hopefully he can just stay on the field
1: and he slipped to the fifth round is it that injury concern primarily in your mind that caused that slip or is it a, like the a ability to play at this level I, he's an odd he's an odd body type for an edge rusher yeah. he's not real long he's kind of uh soft around the edges shall we say a little doughy. Yeah, he's, he's not like the prototypical guy that you think yeah,
3: he of. He doesn't
2: look like Miles Garrett. Yeah.
3: Don't <laughs> no, make yeah. quite the odd couple. Miles Garrett, he looks like an action figure, and uh yeah, that's not Curtis <laughs> Weaver. Um that that was a big part of it. Um the injury stuff, um a little maturity stuff too. Um, you know, just talking to scouts before the uh the draft, it it's not like he's not a criminal, anything like that. It's just, you know, is he going to, uh, you know, put in the the effort and everything that you need to be a pro and max out your potential, that type of thing. That, that's also a question. That's also a reason why he fell to the fifth. Um, and the fact that, you know, he, he drafted by the dolphins in the fifth round and he lasted a few months there, you know, Brian Flores got, got tired of his stuff. And that, so that's, that, tells you something right there. Um, so hopefully maybe there's a wake-up call for him um, and, you know, he, he he figures it out. He's still a young player. Um, you know, he is only, what, 22 years old, something like that, or he's going to be 22 years old. So, uh, you yeah, know, that, that is definitely a big part of why he fell as well.
1: Um, sticking with the Browns, looking at his 2020 season, what's your assessment of kind of the Kevin Stefanski era so far through through eight games here um how are you feeling
3: um i think more positives and negatives i mean i, I think that there have definitely been games where you're kind of scratching your head with the play calling and um you know i i think that it's you know like the cowboys game that was it seemed like okay they had the game plan down they were firing on all cylinders and it just went exactly how they thought it'd go and then other you know like against the Raiders and. You know, I know maybe a few, uh, you know, a few drops that don't happen or that fumble that doesn't happen. Maybe that game turns out a different way. But it seems like, especially when you're going up against some, you know, West Coast guys and it's cold outside and you're playing in Cleveland, you thought they'd be able to take advantage of that some more. But, um, you know, I think for the most part, it's been it's been a positive. I think that the maybe the biggest takeaway is the way they're adapting the offense to fit what they view as their strengths. It's not, you know, all we heard last off season was outside zone, outside zone, outside zone. And they're doing, they're mixing it up. I mean, they're they are not staying predictable with the way they run the offense, both in the passing game and the running game. And so, you know, it's been refreshing to see them kind of adapt the offense to the personnel and not just say, okay, well, you know, we got, we're gonna force them to do this. And so, um, you know, I, I think that that's kind of the takeaways just the way that they're willing to mix things up and stay flexible and, and figure out different ways to beat the opponent. If, if the best way to beat the opponent is to, you know, play a certain way they'll do that. And, and so I think that that has to be, uh, you know, a, a positive that you take away from this team. Now we don't always, it doesn't always execute or they don't always execute the way that you hope, And that's you know, how kind of the result or the results kind of some of those losses. And, so uh, they need to get better, but this is a rookie head coach. He's never mm. been a head coach before. He was. This is his first time out of Minnesota in like what 15 years. <laughs> you know, yeah. I made it. And, and and I do one thing I did like about Stefanski is the fact that he he worked under so many different head coaches. Um, you know, Brad Childress and Zimmer, and you know, it, there, so many different head coaches in Minnesota. So he got a taste of a little bit of everything there. Um, And and so he had a chance to build up his playbook and build up, uh, you know, in his mind, how the offense should run and different things you can do. And so, obviously being an Ivy league guy, he he's, he's very bright and he could retain all that information. And um, you know, he he wasn't just coming up in one system and that's it, you know, he's very flexible and versatile. And so that's, that's definitely part of the, if I'm a Browns fan, I'm feeling positive about that.
0: So what I'm hearing is you like Kevin Stefanski more than Hugh Jackson or it's a toss-up?
3: I, I mean, I like a ham sandwich better than Hugh <laughs> Jackson. I mean, that's,
2: uh, I, did Hugh Jackson ever come out with that book?
3: Did I, Is that out? I
2: think he's teasing it. He's teasing it. It hasn't been so released in, yet.
3: I, I I mean, that's... I guess when you're not relevant, you got to figure out ways to be relevant and that's yeah. that's his way. So Yeah, he's I, I want to know how many
2: people he throws under the bus in that particular book. Like I I think there might be some ugly ugly pieces that come out of that where he just kind of He's got nothing to lose, so he's just kind of going right. to come out firing. Everybody what? but Jimmy Haslam, probably.
3: I, I, I'm looking I I, I want to see the number of ways he could pass the buck, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's it's not my fault. We, we won one game in two years or whatever it was, uh, you know, because of this or this or the, you know, I'm just, uh, it's. A true leader, uh, I, I, a true leader of men. <laughs> exactly. Exactly.
0: Um, so, Dane, uh, sticking on the Browns, um, I, I wonder if there's been, um, you can talk about Stefanski, you talk about the coaching staff or individual players. You mentioned Harrison Bryant, but is there anybody that has exceeded your expectations this year from their play on the field? watching the games or anyone that you expected um, significantly more from, from your um, background, um, you know, maybe, maybe rookies or, or players on the field. Well, I mean, been I think well. you have
3: to be impressed with, with Wyatt Teller, right? I mean, with the way he's been playing and you know, our, 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 boy John Dorsey, I mean, we like, he, he made some bad moves. There's no question in his time as general manager but he also made some very good moves, and that Wyatt Teller trade is looking like uh, w- one of the better moves uh, any NFL GMs made in the last five years. Um, good to be back; good to get him back on the field here uh, shortly, hopefully. Um, and so I think the, the way Teller's been playing, that that's definitely been a surprise, a nice surprise. I mean, Jedrick Wills. I mean, everyone. <laughs> I think everyone knew that I was a big Jedrick Wills fan. I uh, last it was, well, last Thanksgiving um, when I put him at like top five on my draft board and everyone who's, who's this guy, or, you know, he's a second round pick. I was like, no, this guy is legit. Right? just throw on the Auburn tape and tell me this guy is not really good. And slowly but surely people came around on Jedrick Wills and uh, I thought the Browns got a steal uh, with him uh, when they did. And uh, I mean, he's, I think, I think he's played well. And when you consider he never played left tackle in his life, you you consider he just turned 21 years old um and the fact that he's out there and playing as well as he has i mean that's that's really impressive now does he have things to clean up yeah i think he's had seven penalties this year needs to clean this up especially uh as a run blocker needs to get better as but in pass pro he's been outstanding of a uh, few pass rushers gotten by him yeah it's happened but but uh, for the most part, I mean, he's, I mean, did people forget what it was last year at left tackle? How, how much better <laughs> no, than no, men? For sure. I mean,
0: I'll take the that, penalties.
3: Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. You take a 21 year old kid who's still learning the position and getting better and better. So um, yeah, I think Jedrick Wills has been, he, he's lived up to it and you know, it's, it's just been a good, a very good tackle class all around with the way, uh, Makai Becton's been playing, Tristan Wirfs at Tampa, uh, even Austin Jackson Miami. So uh, this tackle class is, has definitely lived up to the, all the hype we threw at it uh, before the draft. So that's been, that's been really fun to see. Um I'm trying to think. Who else? Who else is impressed or uh, maybe not so? Um, oh, the defensive tackle out of Missouri. I thought we'd see more of him uh, this year. Um, Jordan Elliott. Um,
2: I can never remember his name either. It's okay. I,
3: if, I, get, if, I get Jordan if, Elliott if, and if Jacob Phillips, Jacob
2: Phillips and Jordan Elliott. They have this four first names between those names. And so I, I can't get it right ever. <laughs> I know they're right yeah. there in the middle of the defense.
0: <laughs> That's all I really know. Well, Phillips, I,
3: I, I mean, the Browns took a little bit of a leap of faith there because he was a player that they took off the field in, you know, obvious passing downs, uh, at LSU um but he tested like a top tier athlete so the browns kind of took a little bit of leap of faith there that hey this, this guy's athletic we can keep him on the field and um you know he's been banged up so i know we were really haven't a chance to see it yet but that was the only pick that i kind of scratched my head at uh, with the browns loved what they did loved getting uh the uh the, the nick harris the center out of washington yeah. uh on day three that was a great pick uh obviously we talked about harrison bryant um, I, you know the the Delpit uh, falling to them in a second. Um, I, they 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 cleaned up last year.
2: And yeah, early returns that. are great. I mean, and there's like lots. Sure. There's opportunity for icing on the cake with Delpit coming on. You know, coming off injury, and yeah. you know, I mean, I, there's no one to write off or even feel like negative about at, at the moment. It's kind of great.
3: Yeah, and I, I think it was uh, it was funny because you know with Andrew Barry back and okay, everyone's thinking they're gonna go. Analytically driven with their draft picks. And really, they, they, they didn't. I, I felt like they took the best player on the board uh, at every pick. I, I mean, uh, you know, Jedrick Wills and uh, with Grant Delpit and even like, guys like Harrison Bryant, uh, Nick Harris. I mean, these guys were seniors and maybe not, you know, they didn't have the arm length or they didn't have, they didn't necessarily test off the charts analytically, but they, they're just darn good football players. And so, Um, You know, it'll be interesting, you know, they're, they have a new grading system this year with their scouts and with their scouting system. So they're introducing a lot of new things. um, And so it's going to be interesting to see them moving forward, how this front office uh, operates in the draft.
2: It's a great point that you make about it seeming like he took the best player available throughout the draft. Like I think Harrison Bryant's a great example of that. I don't think they necessarily walked into the draft saying, we're going to get, a tight end necessarily. Like, I think they probably felt pretty good about the tight end position, like heading into draft day, but they liked the player. They put him there. I think that's one of the more underrated things about like having a really intelligent GM. Like he can see the board and understand the value. And like, it's more of a value play. Like for a guy that used to work in, in, in the finance industry, Andrew Berry, like it, that makes some sense. Like he, he mm-hmm. understands the value and knows how to play it. And um, that gives me a lot of hope going forward. So, and
3: and that's that you you build your board and people, I mean, I think people have been so conditioned to to like play Madden and okay, well, (laughs) we need, you know, quarterback, defensive end, a running back and a tackle. And so first four rounds, that's who I'm taking. I mean, it just, it doesn't work that way. You have to stay true to your board and see how it falls. And, you know, like that's a perfect example with Harrison Bryant. I don't I agree with you. I don't think they were necessarily looking at a tight end in the top four rounds but one fell to them and it was just too good of a value to pass up. And here we are, uh, you know, the, this season Hooper's hurt and Joku was hurt. uh, And Harrison Bryant, that's why you drafted because there's so much attrition in football because of injuries and everything going on that you never know when you're going to need, you know, quality depth at certain positions. So, I don't think you can go wrong sticking to your board and just taking the best players because sooner or later they're going to get on the field for you because you're going to have a need at that spot.
2: Yep. All right. Let's talk about quarterback. So Baker Mayfield, it's kind of been a roller coaster of a season. Um, I think it's fair to say, so I, I guess I'll ask the question simply. Um, if you're the GM of the Cleveland Browns, if you are Andrew Berry, how do you approach the quarterback position this offseason, knowing that Baker Mayfield, you got to make a decision on whether to pick up his fifth-year option. Um and looking at the future, it feels like our team has like a core and some some good players and our window to win is probably, you know, if we want to win with some of these core players, it's within the next couple uh, next few years. that that's got to right. that, that That's got to happen. I also just
0: want to note that Michael said I'm going to ask the question simply. (laughs) (laughs) Two minutes later.
3: (laughs) Fair. Uh, I mean, look, uh, I'm just, I guess, so much is going to depend on the second half of this year, right? I mean, uh, he's, with with Baker, you've seen some good things. You've seen some things that, you know, you saw last year and the negative stuff. I mean, it's it's tough because you watch that Cowboys game and he was in the groove and he was looking good and, you know, he's uh, throwing the ball around to different targets and, you know, he's not looking predictable. Um, then you watch another game, and it's like, okay, well, where'd that go? And so it just, he's been inconsistent. And um, I, I think here are the positives with Baker Mayfield. Um, he's been really good in the red zone. I, I think I've been really, really impressed with the way he has operated uh in the red zone and it's not being you know, talked we,
2: about enough actually i'm glad you made yeah, that I
3: point agree and you know we the, the running game is obviously a big part of what they do um and but when they get down in the red zone when the field shrinks and it's not as easy to run the football uh, you need a quarterback that's able to operate in those in those tight spaces and that's I'm feeling good about Baker Mayfield when we have red zone opportunities. And that's something that is definitely a positive. Uh, Now he needs to be more consistent, you know, between the 20 and the 20 uh, to, to really march the team down there. Uh, You know, you want to see better than 61% completions. Uh, Now I think the adjusting completion percentage is better. Um, You know, when you factor all the drops that he's been dealing with, I think he's, um, you know top five in in the in the in the league among quarterbacks in terms of uh dropped passes so it, it that's something that factors in as well uh that that has hurt them but um i it, it's it's really hard to answer that question right now because i i, I think the second half of this this uh this year it, it matters so much to the answer um uh, they're right now they have what i think they have the eighth seed right now and so you know if if you have the if you're in the playoff picture uh, after halfway through the season you should finish in the playoffs and so we're gonna find out uh you know what kind of quarterback baker mayfield is can he you know there's gonna be no odell, odell beckham but you know you still have weapons out there you're gonna get nick chubb back so uh you know the offensive line is gonna be hel- a lot more healthy um I, I'm, I'm eager to see what he can do uh you know no more excuses Let, let's and I'm sure if you're Andrew Barry in, and, you know, uh, that front office, you're, you're happy you don't have to make a decision right now uh, because you want to see the second half of this year to see how he how he can play. Um, I, you know, I'm hopeful for him, but I don't know that I would say I'm extremely confident either that Baker Mayfield's a quarterback that's going to lead you to a Super Bowl. I, 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 I would say it's hard to be super confident right now, but I, I'm at least – I'm going to stay open-minded the rest of this year and, and see how he performs.
1: In your assessment, <clears throat> what what has been the issue for Baker? I mean, because coming in his his rookie year, he was he was on fire, and I mean he was a, he was a rookie, and maybe it was simple, but he was he was killing it, and everybody's like, oh, this, he's the next guy, you know. Yeah. And I mean, he's had a ton of coaching turnover. He's had a, I mean, scheme changes. Like, what what does he need to do in these next eight games to to make that decision clear?
3: Yeah, and I think it's just taking care of the football, number one, not having these turnovers, um, and then just moving the chains. I, I mean, showing that, you know, you can – you have such a strong run game. I, I mean, that's that's something that you can lean on, and just taking advantage of that, um, you know, and giving him – I think coaches are going to give him play-action opportunities, um, and that's something that they can really lean on as – uh, maybe being a strength of this offense, and it's just, uh, you know, I, I want to see – okay, okay you, you mentioned the coaches and how much that's played a factor, and I think that's 100% right. Um, but now that, you know, you're coming off a bye week, you're going to have you have to, uh, two months uh, on the field, because I think you have to give these guys a little bit of a pass, not having a full preseason, not having a full – Uh, you know, off-season workout uh, uh, regiment uh, to get this new playbook. I mean, there's uh, not trying to make excuses. I mean, that's that's just fact with everything going on with with COVID and everything. I mean, you have to give them a little bit of leeway there. And so, okay, well, now you've had on the field, two months in the system, you're coming off a bye week. Let's let's see what you got. And, uh, you know, part of it is, I think, just comfort in the system And, and, you know, the verbiage and Um, you know, I don't, I'm not going to say they're better off without Odell Beckham. I mean, you know, with obviously Beckham's such a talent, um, that you'd rather him be out there, but there were definitely times where you felt like he was pressing and he felt, you know, like he had to get it to to Odell. He had to get it to Odell, had to feed him, had to feed him. And, you know, that's, I'm not going to say that, you know, you would, you'd be better off without him, but uh, at the same time, you're you feel like you maybe don't have that strain anymore and maybe you can you know lean on your other targets so i i'm really looking forward to the second half to see if he can really change the narrative and just you know show that he he can be the guy and it's you know everything else is just noise and the you know the, the the sound bites and all that it's it's fine because you know what he's winning and so it's Time, time for him to, to really just, uh, you know, go to work and show that he can do it.
0: Yeah. Um, all right. So I'm going to speak to the listeners. Well, wait,
3: sorry, real quick. Do you, yeah, do you yeah. guys
1: think he's the guy? That's a great question. <clears throat> uh, I, I, the guy, maybe, maybe not. I think we're going to pick up his fifth-year option unless something implodes down the stretch.
0: Right. I I don't
1: it, know, I don't know what the better option is. I
0: also think we're going to pick up his fifth year option. Maybe I've been burned too much by just only watching the Cleveland Browns as my main football team, but I haven't seen we haven't had a quarterback that's like we are way more set at quarterback than we have been in, in many many years. So, I'm I want to see this play out. I want the coaching to be something that's there and in place in the same system, and I think that that's really the problem with Baker. And once we get to that place, he's got all the weapons. He has the accuracy in theory, um, maybe not in practice, but I think he's going to get there. Um, and so I, I think he is the guy.
2: I think he's going to be the Browns quarterback for a long time. Yeah, I just want to see – you hit on it at the top. I want to see consistency from him in the last in the last eight games. And I've yeah. seen improvement in some of the things. Like, he has not been nearly as skittish in the pocket this year, which is what we saw a lot. Like, he would, like, run out of the pocket so quickly when any sort of pressure – He's not all the way there yet, but I've seen improvement from him in, as far as his, inc- his comfortability in the pocket. And I think as his comfortability with the system and everything goes forward, I'm optimistic that um, some of that improvement will continue. Um, so and I, I, I'm probably just an optimistic Browns fan hoping that it works out more than anything else. And I really think Stefanski is going to continue to,
0: like you were saying, play to his player's strengths. He's going to put Baker in the position to be successful. Um, with the skills that he has and so i'm really optimistic about that relationship i i think he's going to be the guy and everyone's beating their heads against the wall saying he's the worst but it's 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 just not true like and it's, it's so myopic the and way that brown's fans and brown's twitter <laughs> operates it's infuriating
1: an ideal scenario would be a, a long-term extension at below market value and then he like reaches his potential because <laughs> he's finally like settled into a system absolutely so that, that'd be that'd be great that's what i'm rooting
3: for i i I thought you were going to say ideal scenario to just trade for A.J. McCarron. And <laughs> that'll be
1: good. Speaking right. of, it, I was thinking about this. Is A.J. McCarron, is he in the league right now? Is he on the Bills? Uh, is that He right? was not back, I think. This is, is an right? evil, yeah. easy
2: Google search
0: away. Yeah, I
1: have no idea.
2: A.J.
3: Cause
0: McCarron.
1: Because if, if he's not in the league. Houston Texans. Okay, he's on the Texans. If yeah, okay. I was going to say, if he's not in the league, how mad would you be at that trade getting... Like canceled, he was like, "This was my shot to to, <laughs> oh, yeah. to prove what I could do."
2: It's my favorite thing that's happened for the Browns in the last decade, for sure. Like it's oh the one gosh. thing I want to dig into the I, like I want to have a beer with Sashi Brown and get the whole story. Like it is the one piece of information I really would like to understand is the full story around it'll what happened a, that day. I also want to hear Hughes Hugh book. Jackson's. I hope it's
0: in Hugh's book. <laughs> it, it might yeah.
3: be. It might be. I, I'd read. I'd read it just for that.
0: Yep. I think Hugh might, with hindsight, leave that out of his book to keep himself looking favorable.
3: <laughs> uh, I don't. know. He, he, I mean, Hugh might say, uh, you know, that was that was all Sashi. I, I unplugged. <laughs> I actually unplugged the, the, flax, the fax machine so he couldn't, couldn't send <laughs> that. Or I mean, yeah. I, Hugh Jackson, knowing him, who knows.
0: Enter a montage of Hugh hugging A.J. McCarron in the middle of the field. (laughs) Uh, That's hilarious. Um, So, Dane, we love having you on the podcast. And um, for those of you who might be new listeners, we generally have Dane on around draft season. And the reason is because you can tell, Dane obviously knows – everything that there is to know about the NFL To be clear,
1: draft season for the Browns typically shows up around the bye week of
0: (laughs) (laughs) previous years. Which, Dane, is the main reason our podcast is in any way popular, actually, quite frankly. (laughs) Um, And uh, so you come out with your draft guide every year. Um, Back in 2020, when it came out for The Athletic, it was referred to as The Beast. Um, So comprehensive, so good. And I want to know how your process is going right now. In this COVID season, how hard is it to scout certain players, especially small conferences? Um, the question is always: What level of competition have they have they met? And uh, someone who might flash in the pan this year is playing low-level competition the whole season wide. How, where does that factor into your valuation process, and, and how difficult has that been?
3: Yeah, I mean, this is this is such a loaded conversation to have because there are so many different. Um, you know, levels to this, I I think one of the few positives has been, you know, I can, all these opt outs, I can get them done now, you know, like uh, these, these guys that have opted out and decided that they're going to start preparing for the draft. Okay. Well, I know I'm not getting any new tape on them, so I can just focus on their 2019 tape and, you know, write them up and have their scouting report ready to go. Now, I think that one of the biggest challenges coming up is going to be just, just keeping track of who's going to be in this draft and who's not, because uh, everybody has an extra year of eligibility at the college level if they want it uh, with everything going on with COVID. Hmm. So even, you know, 60 60 or seniors can go back to school for another, <laughs> another year. Yeah. You know, the no 25 year out. old
1: with like a kindergartner. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah, it, the, It's the, it's the Van plan. Yeah. Yeah. So, I I mean, I think that that will be one of the hardest things, is just keeping track of who's going to be in this draft, who's not, who's going back. And that's that I've heard that from NFL teams as well is, you know, just they're they're hoping the NFL has a kind of a a set like, you know, deadline where you have to let teams know, hey, I'm in this draft or I'm not in this draft. It's just like the underclassmen deadline. Um, So that's going to be really interesting not having the east-west shrine game not having nflpa um you know there's a lot of all-star games that are not going to happen now the senior bowl is going to happen at least it's they're planning on it and they're it's in alabama um, yeah exactly (laughs) uh so how are they going to change that so it accommodates uh these these players and you know it to make sure that it goes off without a hitch and Uh, What's the combine look like this year? Um, You know, how's that going to work? So yeah, there's so many things that, you know, where we are right now and you know, early to mid November, we just don't know. Um, And so that, that part of it is definitely going to be a struggle, but at the end of the day, this is just watching players and breaking down their traits and understanding what's going to translate. And that's, that's what I'm focusing on because that's, that's all I can control. And so, um, this is the time of year where I really start to get the tape coming in um, for the season. And so that's, that's been my focus. is sitting down watching the tape on these players and just getting a better sense. My, uh, let's see, we're, we're talking Monday night, my um, updated top 50 comes out tomorrow on the athletic. Uh, so hopefully people will check that out. And that's something I've been working on the last few weeks. Um, you know, just calling around and getting different opinions from uh, scouts and people around the league um, and obviously doing my own work on these players, uh, just trying to understand, trying to, you know, really get a sense for how this top 50 is going to look. And so it, it's tough with uh, these opt outs. Uh, I don't think it's going to hurt some players, you know, like, uh, like Jamar Chase, uh, wide receiver yeah. out of LSU. He didn't have to play another down for you to know exactly who he is. Uh, one of the the top players overall, not just receivers. He's the top receiver, but just one of the top players overall in this draft. And there's a few of those guys, Penny Sewell from Oregon, the left tackle, and uh, Micah Parsons, a linebacker from Penn State. Those guys are top 10 picks. Uh, But then, uh, you know, uh, some of these other players that have opted out that really could have used another year of tape where you're going to be left wondering uh, and, and you're going to have some unanswered questions. That's going to be tough. And you have to basically treat it as if they had a, you know, season-ending injury, and they're just missing that year of tape. And then uh, go go back, going back to what you mentioned about the level of competition. Uh, you know, it's that's another thing. You, you look at BYU, and that's a perfect example. They their schedule before COVID hit had nothing but Power Five opponents on it. I, I mean, it looked like they would be maybe a 500 team because it's just, it was so rough COVID hits and they have to recreate their schedule. And all of a sudden they don't play any power five opponents. And Zach Wilson's lightened it up. One of the best quarterbacks in college football. I, it, it makes it tough because you don't have the quality of competition to really evaluate that. And so you just have to focus on the level of throws, which I've been extremely impressed with. I think Zach Wilson is legit. He's he, I think he's the real deal. Uh, But it does make it tougher. And so there's, you know, Trey Lance, North Dakota State, played one game this year. That's all you have is one game. And, I mean, talk about an unprecedented evaluation. This guy, (laughs) as a redshirt freshman, he was fantastic. Uh, And then this year, he plays one game. And so, I mean, it's hard enough with redshirt sophomores. I mean, you look at the last few redshirt redshirt sophomores that have come out, Dwayne Haskins, um, you know, guys that haven't really panned out because as redshirt sophomores, you only have one, maybe two years uh, to really go back and look at uh, their ability. And with Trey Lance, you can tell he's talented, but I mean, is he really ready for pro life and everything that comes with it? I, it makes it really, really tough. So, yeah, it, it is. That's just I mean, that's that's the that's really the short answer to to that question, because there's so many different levels to. Uh, how this uh, COVID and everything's going to affect this draft and the draft process.
1: With a guy like Trey Lance, do you think NFL GMs are going to be willing to take that risk or should he come back to kind of get that stability? I mean, if he's going to be a first round pick, come out, yeah. don't, don't risk anything. I mean, I just wonder, right. I mean, it's so unprecedented in his situation is so unique.
3: Yeah, it, it really is. And I mean, I, I've always told underclassmen cause I, I, I you know, I, I've done a little consulting, you know, I've, I've underclassmen and their parents, you know, talk to me about it. You know, should they declare, should they not? I've had some you know, ask me, should they opt out this year with everything going on or should they not and things like that. And I always tell them the, how, you know, it's just, it's up to your individual uh, assessment of if you're ready or not. I mean, I, I can tell you that you have the skills, but at the quarterback position, uh, it's there's a comfort level there because the the nfl is not a developmental league and you know you so much will depend on the situation you go to if you go to a situation that's going to throw you out there from day one uh, you're going to be in trouble but if you know if who knows what happens if uh you know pat mahomes uh is the first quarterback drafted in that that year it goes to the bears uh and mitchell trubisky goes to andy Reid and the chiefs i mean who knows i would love to know how that those two situations would have played out, um, yeah. and just it, it would have been fascinating. Um, Same. I so, like to
2: play that game with Tim Couch and Donovan McNabb.
3: <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. I like that. Uh, what would what, 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 what happen? What is the outcome there?
2: Well, I think Andy Reid turns think... everyone into gems, so I think that, in, Tim, the Tim absolute Couch is inverse. Uh, yeah. yeah,
1: and Tim Couch was pretty good. He just got beat the crap up.
3: Oh yeah. Oh, I, I, trust me. I, I will never forget watching that game, uh, against the Steelers Sunday night football, 1999, uh, their first game back and being so excited and then just, okay, I'm going to bed. Uh, <laughs> I think I was, yeah, I was 13 years old and that was, I was so excited for that game and it just a, a dud and Tim couch got in in the second half and it was, it was rough. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it's, this Trey Lance evaluation is something that we've never seen before. And, you know, I, I I heard from people on Twitter say no chance. I mean, the guys, he's played what, 17 total games and uh, this and that. And what I always point to is, is it an, is it an unprecedented evaluation? Yes. But you look at the best quarterbacks in the NFL right now, they were all unprecedented evaluations uh, in certain respects. Pat Mahomes, name me the last Texas Tech quarterback that did, that did anything. I, I mean, that, that's an unprecedented yeah. evaluation right there because you're taking a guy from an air raid system and projecting him to the pros. Uh, you know, Lamar Jackson, he had his challenges uh, growing as a passer from Louisville uh, to the NFL. Russell Wilson. Uh, before Russell Wilson, tell me a 5'11 quarterback that did anything in the NFL. So, I mean, you could look at the top quarterbacks in the NFL, and they all have a reason why they shouldn't have made it. or They shouldn't not only made it, but they shouldn't be pro bowlers and, and at the top of the position in the NFL. So the fact that Trey Lance uh, has a situation that he has, it just it makes it more challenging. Uh, nothing about Trey Lance should tell you, no, no way I'm drafting this guy. But it should should it scare you? Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, you know, there's certain parts about him that you kind of worry about, but it just it makes it all that more challenging to figure him out and uh, try to project that. But uh, yeah, it's going to take a very confident general manager to make that pick. One that you know is knows he has a situation where he can bring him along at his own pace, and he's not going to thrust him in the action from day one. And there's definitely going to take the right situation to drop Trey Lance uh in the early to mid first round
2: all right so you mentioned two of the top quarterbacks in Zach Wilson and Trey Lance yeah seems like you're a big Zach Wilson fan I am Trevor Lawrence is kind of the consensus number one from everybody he's going to be the number one pick no matter who's there it sounds like mm-hmm. um but the other three guys are the next three Justin Fields um zach wilson and trey lance like is that clear in your mind at this point
3: i think so yeah um and if there's a fifth i think it'd be mac jones um from alabama with the way he's played uh flying
2: up boards
3: yeah well i mean you look at it and it's funny because he's playing well and last year he even played well it's okay we'll see what he does next year as a starter and okay he start gets off to a great start okay well let's see what he does against georgia uh, you know a real defense okay he lights them up and I mean, it's just we're running out of excuses why Mac we shouldn't take Mac Jones seriously as a prospect. And yes, he's got elite talent, uh, but uh, you know, elite talent around him, I should say, with the offensive line, the targets, and all that. But he's still making plays, and he, he deserves credit for that. And
1: statistically, he's outpacing the the guys before him. He's outpacing Jalen Hurts yeah. and Tua in, right. in the same it- scheme with the same players.
3: And the same thing with Zach Wilson, you know, where it's just don't focus on the competition or, you know, focus on the quality of these throws. And that's the same with Mac Jones. Focus on the quality of these throws and these decisions. And I think that's reason right there to get excited. Those are the five uh, quarterbacks that are in my top 50 uh, that that's uh, just came out this week on The athletics. So um, I, I do think that Trevor Lawrence is the clear favorite. And then I do think... That's where there's going to be some debate about uh, two, three, and four. Uh, I don't think there's going to be a consensus. The way Justin Fields has played this year, you know, he—he, he, I think he's definitely the favorite to be the second quarterback uh, drafted. Um, you know, he's—he's he's just so much fun to watch in that Ryan Day system. Uh, he's doing a better job this year, working his progressions and uh, going through his reads and different things. So you're, you're seeing that maturation, and that, that's what you would expect from a guy who's, you know, he's in a second year now. Uh, In that system, he's showing a lot more confidence. and I mean, he was already a confident player. That's one of the biggest things I loved about him. So confident, so comfortable, so cool. Uh, His demeanor doesn't change regardless of the situation or anything like that. So, yeah, this quarterback class is a lot of fun. Um, I I do think with with Lawrence and Fields and Wilson and Lance, uh, you've got four guys right there that I think are going to be first-round picks and guys that teams are going to look at and say, okay, this is the future of our franchise, and we're going to invest a high pick in them. Uh, to be that guy
0: well you talk about dane you talk about unprecedented evaluations where do you see kyle trask fitting into that that pantheon of quarterbacks um it's it's a strange situation but he like mac jones is produced this year um in the sec against a high level competition um where do you see him going
3: yeah and i it's funny because i I felt like before the year, I was one of his biggest fans. He was my top senior coming into the year. Um, he was actually my number four quarterback uh, coming into the year behind uh, Lawrence, Fields, and Lance. Um, but, and he's actually outplayed what I think a lot of people thought this year. But uh, Mac Jones has passed him in my mind. Uh, obviously, Zach Wilson. Um, I see a guy. I don't. I don't. I don't get the first round hype with him. Um, I, I think that he's a very smart player. He understands touch. Um, he, he makes the right decisions. But at the same time, I see a guy who uh, struggles to move. Um, and that lack of mobility is that's a real problem. And that's where I struggle with with seeing him. Like he he didn't make my top fifty. Um, you know, because I think that he's. That's fair. He falls more in that Mason Rudolph camp where, you know, you, have. you never
1: want to be in the Mason Rudolph camp.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like Mason Rudolph is a solid NFL (laughs) quarterback who, you know, is going to be a backup and maybe help you win games. If he needs to, you know, if he gets pressed in action and that, that type of quarterback. Um, And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just, you know, I think there's a ceiling on what you can do in the NFL, and that lack of mobility with Kyle Trask is the main reason why I do worry a little bit about his transition. And I think he can make plays, and I, I give him a lot of credit for what he's been doing this year at Florida. I mean, it helps to have uh, a cheat code like Kyle Pitts out there. It's just <laughs> ridiculous. Uh, I, I We're Gator he fans
2: be... here, so we know how ridiculous Kyle Pitts is. It's yeah, it's
3: something else. I I, I mean I. I just hope he's okay after that hit he took. Sounds like he's he's questionable for this weekend. So, well,
1: uh, so, sounds like Arkansas has COVID, or at least Sam Pittman does. So, yeah, we'll see if this yeah. weekend even happens. But
3: I was looking forward to that Felipe Franks revenge game. Uh, <laughs> just, get, I mean, Felipe Franks was not good in, in, at Florida. I don't have to tell you guys that, but he's, he's kind of rejuvenated himself at Arkansas. So, uh, I give him credit for that. But yeah, I mean Kyle Trask. Is, I, give him, I, I give him credit for you know the way he's played this year. He's in the Heisman conversation. He's helped himself, but I kind of see him the same way I did in the summer. He, he's a uh, you know maybe a, a late two, early three type of quarterback uh, round wise, and a player who uh, has a next level future. I just I don't see the upside as a full time starter.
1: Well, you brought up Kyle Pitts. I had a question here on Kyle Pitts, so we'll go there. Mm how good can he be is he is he that level where even if you don't really have a need at tight end he's like a transcendent talent that you're going to look at early mid first round and just say this guy we can use that
3: yeah i mean show me a team that can't use that i mean cuz you could you could just play him at receiver if you wanted to i mean that that's what basically what he does half the time in that florida offense i mean watching that georgia game on saturday uh, they just lined them up outside against Tyson Campbell, one of the best corners uh, in the league, and he goes down and just uh, mossed them. I mean, just really, really impressive. Uh, he he can separate from safeties and linebackers, but then he can also make plays over corners. Uh, the The ball skills are so athletic; it, it's just so impressive uh, that, like you know, I. I I get the question, like, you know, cause I, I, I use the word, the, the phrase you know, or the term quick twitch describing athletes. And, um, you know, I get the question like, you know, what exactly does that mean? And uh, watch Kyle Pitts play and, and just watch him move that that's what quick twitch looks like. Uh, with the way he's so fluid and, uh, his reflexes. And it's just, it's so impressive to watch. Uh, he is a weapon and you know, is. I get questions about, oh, what kind of blocker is he? It doesn't matter. I mean, that's not why you're drafting him. I mean, he, he, he will give effort as a blocker, but you're drafting him for what he can do down the field. And so, yeah, I, I think if, uh, I, I think he's going to go somewhere in the top half of round one. Um, and, and, you know, he's going to be just a weapon. Um, you know, play him. You can play him in line if you want a little bit, but for the most part, get him detached. Uh, you know, Uh, Motion him out. Uh, put him in a slot. Use him in different ways. Look for those mismatches, and he's going to help you move the chains and uh, be a productive pro. Yeah. He's
2: ridiculous. He's so it's it so fun to watch. I'm sad
3: that there's only a handful more Florida games it, to watch of him, to be perfectly honest. Florida's <laughs> got a few of those guys. I mean, with Tony, I mean, that guy, he... I, I swear they just rub him up with, like, Vaseline or something. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm like, always,
0: that's a very apt description. I'm
1: always worried he's going to blow out his own knee. Like, yeah, like yeah. the the way that he moves and puts his foot on the ground, like, it just feels like something's going to be like, under tension. It's like his trying his to
0: tackle Gumby every time <laughs> exactly. you're trying to no, I, tackle Darius. Exactly.
3: Gumby. Yeah, it, it looks like he has rubber, like, joints. And, you yeah. know, like, he just, it's really, really unique the way he can... Uh, move and stop and that's him and even like a guy like trevon grimes who i think gets overlooked uh in that offense i mean he's with that size uh, and his ability um i'll tell you right now i bet you he gets a senior senior bowl invite and i bet you he's gonna go to mobile and really impress and help himself so uh that's that that offense is just it's fun to watch
2: he seems are, are, like a quintessential senior bowl invite, especially after, like, what uh, kind of show Van Jefferson put on last year, like, really yeah. similar story with Trevon Grimes transferring in and everything like that.
0: Are, right. are you at the stage in the process where you know background on Kadarius Tony? Because I, I know nothing about him um, except for his play on the field. And his picture that they put up whenever they show the CBS <laughs> with his dreads with his down in front of his face, his like, face like a real real creep. Yeah. But I don't know if he can play football. Uh, I suppose he's a matter.
2: JUCO transfer, and he's gotten hurt. So he's pretty old, actually, I think, as a prospect.
3: There, and there, there is some maturity stuff there. Um, and that, that's, that was one of the reasons why he wasn't more highly regarded coming into the year. And so teams are going to have to do their homework on him just to make sure they're comfortable with him, no question.
0: Yeah um is all right, so I, I want to ask you like a big picture question about the draft specifically, um, what position groups do you think are deep and what position groups do you think are shallow? Um, is there some value that the browns can get at that mid high uh, first round level?
3: Uh, well, I mean starting with the shallow because I think that's that's easy. Uh, defensive tackle um, there's only one. Damn. In my top 50. darn it <laughs> it's it's just it's a rough class i don't I, like it's hard to find one that i feel great about going in the first round um i i don't know it's just not a great defensive tackle class uh you know, a lot of people like marvin wilson out of florida state i mean he's not even my in my top 50 um just not a not a fan so defensive tackle definitely stands out as being a little not a little, a lot underwhelming. Um, safety, I think, would be maybe next. Uh, as you know, it's it, it's an okay class. It's another another position where I, I, I'm not confident we're gonna have a first round pick there. Um, so oh. deep to tackle, safety, a little underwhelming. The Browns two biggest positions of need. Love it. <laughs> yeah, um, but on the flip side, I think okay, the the strengths. Quarterback's looking like a strength, no question. Wide receiver is gonna be a strength. Um, it's that's a gonna be another, yeah. It's gonna be another big time year for wide receiver, um, and so that's, I think that's a good position where if the Browns do go that direction, uh, are Odell and Jarvis gonna both be on this team next year? That's a great a question. question. I mean, as of right Contract now, it's hard, wise, Yeah.
2: As of right now, it's hard to imagine them not being on this team
1: right now. I, I would not want to be the person who tells one of them that. The other one is getting cut. That's, right, right. I, mean, I yeah. don't envy that position. I mean, Odell's going to be here basically because of contract situation. I mean, there's a really long time because of the injury contract. I, I don't think Jarvis right. has any dead money left on his deal, or if it's if he does, it's like two million dollars. But that's a hard that's a hard guy to pull out of the locker room, especially if you're going to keep Odell and trade Jarvis. That's Probably the yep. worst case scenario, you know. I feel like, I feel like right. the other way around. It could work. It's a right. lot of money, so, though. I mean,
3: so yeah, wide receiver will be interesting because that's a position they don't have to go early, but there should be pretty good depth throughout with the, you know like a guy like Chris Olave for Ohio state, who's just nothing but productive, but you know what? He doesn't have the most impressive body type and he's probably not going to run a blazing 40. So he's probably going to go in the second round. Um, you know, there's a lot of examples like that uh, of talented wide receivers who you can find, uh, outside of the first round. So that, that may be something that would interest, uh, the Browns. um, What other position is a strength? I I think I I do think pass rusher is a strength, um, and that's that's something I'd love to see the Browns go pass rusher, get another legit uh, option uh, on the other side of Miles Garrett, just to give them more juice and protect protect Garrett a little bit. So uh, pass rusher, that'd be that'd be a good spot. See them go. um, You know, I I think they could use more linebacker depth. This is going to be a a solid. uh, linebacker year so that's a direction i'd like to see them go uh and then i think they uh, you know of course they can use more corners uh and you know i don't think any team feels like they have enough cornerback depth and this is a maybe a little bit of a top heavy group at corner we're gonna see i think several corners go in the top 50 and then maybe there's a little bit of a drop off so uh maybe that's a position they look to go in the first or second round
2: Interesting. So linebacker, I think, undoubtedly is a position that we could use some more speed from in particular. Like, it would be nice to have some better athletes at that second level on our defense. Um, I heard you talking with um, Lance on your Prospect to Pros um, latest episode and talking about how honestly (laughs) – the linebacker group the rookie linebacker group hasn't been very good this year yeah. like why do you think that is cuz i think it was really highly thought of coming into the year there was a lot of depth like you could like kind of look all the way down the draft and find areas where you could get guys that everyone thought pretty highly of like is that a result of the way the game is being played right now like do you have any like common thread or like any insight into why that might be um because it does have me a little bit concerned, thinking about next season and looking in the future that, like, yes, we l- we need help at linebacker, but is is the draft a, a good route to go to get some um, quick fixes there?
3: Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing is just can these guys hold up in coverage? Um, you know, like we know they they they've got range, we know that they can you know run and hit, but it's another thing to cover NFL athletes, and that's where we're you know uh Kenneth Murray uh out of Oklahoma goes to the first round to the Chargers. He's been very good as a run and hit linebacker and that's that's what we knew he was. Uh now he has the athletic profile that he should be better in coverage but he's he's been abysmal in coverage. So that's that's you know something that you hope he gets better at. Uh Patrick Queen who was one of the youngest players in the draft fall, falls all the way to the Ravens at 28 and he's been a little up and down but I think you feel better about uh, or you feel good about the positives that he brings that you can live with the bumps in the road that you know he's going to encounter and I I think each one of these guys has their own set of circumstances Patrick Queen was basically a one-year starter uh, like I said so young that uh, there's going to be a learning curve for him Um, and so when these guys are asked to play more snaps uh, they're asked to drop in coverage more and just play more with their minds instead of just their athleticism. That's where, you know, it's, it it could be tough. There's definitely a learning curve for these guys. And, you know, looking at this year's linebacker class, um, I had quite a few in my top 50. I mean, Micah Parsons is obviously uh, the top guy. Uh, And I think there's a clear number two and that's uh, Jeremiah Wusukoromoa from Notre Dame. And I I don't know if you guys watched the Notre Dame Clemson game on Saturday night, but that, Force fumble uh, and fumble recovery that he took back for a touchdown against uh, Travis Etienne was just phenomenal. Uh, I mean, the explosiveness that he plays with uh, is just awesome. I mean, I think Koromoa has put himself in the top half of round one. He's been that good. Um, Nick Bolton from Missouri—he's uh, one of my favorite players in this draft. Uh, and here's the thing with Bolton: he's gonna—he's not going to have the length that a lot of teams look for, and so that's going to put a discount sticker. Uh, on his uh, on his uh, Skyrim report. And so if you can get Nick Bolton in the second round, you do that all day because Nick Bolton is, a, you know, he's that hammer looking for a nail. he He plays so fast and so physical, he's so much fun to to watch, uh, just go hunt. And if uh, you know you can look past the length questions, I, I think you'll feel pretty good about Nick Bolton out of Missouri. He, he's a good player to keep on the radar. Um Zavin Collins out of uh uh out of Tulsa. Uh, he's he's a throwback, you know. You're 6'4, 260, uh, you know, the type of linebacker you saw in the early 90s, not necessarily now, but he's a good athlete. He moves around well. I think he's been a riser this year. Uh Chaz Surratt from North Carolina, uh, another quarterback convert who's who's adapted well uh he's an nfl athlete who he's just going to be a high volume uh, tackler uh when he gets to the pros so this linebacker class definitely has a few guys that uh i I think are projective starters and project as being uh you know productive nfl players
0: it's exciting Uh yeah that is that's great news hope we go that route Um, well Dane we don't want to take up too much of your time thank you so much uh, for giving us this insight Um, we love having you on every season and and coming up to the draft we'll we'll give you another call um, so expect that Um, (laughs) uh, listeners expect to see uh, Dane's draft guide that's going to come out before the draft that will give you all the information that you need to know Um, Dane tell the people uh, that are listening where they can find you and how they can get more of your stuff
3: well, you can find all my rankings and all my reports and all that uh, on The Athletic. Um, hopefully, uh, you know, you, you sign up for that. Uh, yeah, I know not everybody's, uh, you know, fully on board with a, a pay-to-read sports site, but do a free trial and, and try it out. I, I think you'll love what we have to offer at The Athletic. Um, it's the only place to get my, my rankings and all, all my work. And It's definitely um, worth know, it.
2: I, I mean, we love it. I was skeptical going into it. You convinced me to do it. We've been subscribers for a couple of years now. My Great. dad That's reads awesome. you, reads it all the time now. And so it's not even just like people our generation. We love it. The best thing I think you ever said to describe it is a modern-day uh, Sports Illustrated, and that makes all the sense in the world. Nobody yeah, questioned No one questioned subscribing to Sports Illustrated 20 years right. ago. And exactly. like you shouldn't question subscribing to The Athletic and getting the best sports coverage you can get. Yeah. And when's and, the but,
0: athletic coming out with the swimsuit edition?
3: Oh, that's it. I, I need a, the, the next, uh, brainstorm meeting. I need to bring that up. I like that. Uh, but no, yeah, it's, it, it is, it's the modern day sports illustrated, but except, you know, it's updated with hundreds of new articles, you know, every week, every day. So it's, you've got everything right there. Uh, plus you get the beast for, for free part of your uh, subscription. So that makes it worth it. Uh, Right there. So ho- hopefully everyone checks it out, um, and then of course on Twitter uh, at DP Brugler, um, yeah, my podcast uh, Prospects and Pros with Lance Zierlein, who uh, works with NFL.com. So plenty of good info out there, uh, NFL Draft uh, all year round, and uh, so if you're if you're a, even a remotely a draft fan, you'll love what we, have, what we have to offer. Absolutely. Well, we appreciate
2: it, Dane. Um, we'll be cheering on the Browns and Baker Mayfield to. Uh, take a sore into that next level um, this this last half of the year. Uh, let us know if there's anything we can do for you, but we always appreciate um, you guys, you coming on and joining us for the show.
3: Anytime, guys. I always enjoy it. It's always a good time. So, uh, yeah, please, in, in the draft, at uh, some point during the draft process, let's try and do it again.
2: Yes, sir. We'd love it. All right.
0: Go Stain. Thanks, man. Always a blast. Like, I, It's ridiculous to me. How much information a human being can know about every single player in the NFL. Like, we send him questions. He doesn't look at them. He's just like, oh, you want to talk about him? I can tell you everything about him. He, he, he brings every – looks at every single prospect all the way through the process, and he knows their whole backstory, knows every single thing about him. It's so much fun to have, have Dane on the pod.
1: And you can ask him about, like, last year's prospects. Oh, yeah. And Curtis he, Weaver, is he round like,
0: pick? Yep, no problem. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Here's the deal with Curtis Weaver.
0: Yeah, I'm not – like, how many years back does it go? Like, you know, like, like he was talking when he was 13. That should old. be our
2: new game. Next time, next <laughs> our new time game. we have Dana, our new game. Next time we have Dana, like, you just start, like, name a player and he's got to, like, name or something. You name the player and he's got to name the school and the position and the year. Or some something like that.
1: Now, and, and give us his give us his take on it, and then we'll slowly stretch it like further and further yeah, back. Yeah. Like we'll yeah. we'll start like twenty. I feel like right now, like twenty eighteen, twenty seventeen, feels like a good like starting point.
0: Start making people up like we'll, we'll get Dinkelich Morgan. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we'll go all the way back to like twenty ten. We'll go back to that like middle school like like first round mock draft that he posted on Twitter. That was like all handwritten. That's That'd be awesome. great um
0: yeah so that was that was an absolute blast love that um well let's talk about the Browns we got a couple of quick hitters that we want to talk about before we wrap up the pod pick the lines um mainly all of the Browns players that this bye week has served well specifically Nick Chubb coming off of his IR designation um Wyatt Teller back at practice Miles Garrett back at practice Travis Landry looking all right practicing and jacob phillips
2: jacob phillips hope he gets to play a lot i'm excited about all those players i mean our running game coming together against this houston texans defense that really has not been very good like i like seeing wyatt teller coming back nick chubb back in the fold hope that he's going to be near 100 percent um matthew messing with the soundboard and sorry making weird noises through my headphones anyways um I, i I just feel like we're going to have a more complete offense um, with with those two guys back in the fold, uh, and that's exciting to me. Love having an absolute and, dead and Austin of this Hooper,
1: right? Did you mention week. Austin Hooper No. I didn't, back? But yeah, yeah. I mean, Austin Hooper coming back from the appendectomy. I mean, getting getting our 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 right guard running back, uh, best wide receivers healthy, tight ends back healthy. Probably our most talented vars- wide receiver. Second best
0: our wide best receiver, wide receiver is Jarvis. Our,
1: well, our best available wide receiver. Like I'm, I'm already writing OBJ off for for the year. But okay. Just yeah.
2: trying to clarify. No, that,
0: that makes sense. Um, I, I'm really excited to see Jacob Phillips play. And Jacob, We have this huge glaring gap at the linebacker position, and I don't know where we're going to go the rest of the season. Like, the only – the only real hope is that Malcolm Smith continues to play well and Jacob Phillips comes in and can hold down the fort in some sort of reasonable fashion.
2: Um, if Jacob Phillips coming back means uh. that Mac Wilson plays less, I think that's a good situation overall for the Browns. That's kind of what I'm hoping for. Yeah, absolutely. And Wyatt Teller. He's a mauler. He's You know his – his grade on the season according to pff do you know what it is it's probably like 96 or something like that it's
1: 94 (laughs) it's ridiculous 94 and now
2: granted he's been out for a couple games but it is still absolutely insane like unlikely that that will continue throughout the remainder of the season but he has set an incredible bar um for his state of play throughout the first handful of games that he's played anyways it, he's it, only going to be, gonna be an asset to our. Office. To
1: be fair, Chris Hubbard has not played bad. No, like in that spot. But Wyatt Teller was just playing out of his mind before killing, he got
2: hurt, just killing people. I mean, the the downside, the flip side, we have all these guys back, but our starting quarterback isn't at practice right now because of COVID. Um, I guess he had like exposure. close close exposure to with somebody a, with in the front team, office,
1: a team staffer. Yeah. Who tested positive.
2: Who do we think this is? Okay, because it's only
1: Baker Mayfield that had interaction with this person. Going, and no one else is on the COVID list. Going, going off of the building the Browns footage, I'm going to say Callie. Callie Brownson.
0: That's, who,
1: that's exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. They seem to have like a good rapport.
2: See, I feel like it's got to be hilarious. more of like a front office person, like less of a. But like, like why coach. why is
1: why is Baker like meeting with a front office person? But like if it like, was I Callie
2: Brownson, how would yeah, she not no, have had interaction with any of no. the other players? She, like, it doesn't she make def- any sense. She
1: definitely would have. My, That's why
2: it's got to be a front office person.
1: But like, what do you mean by a front office person? Like, I Maybe think he's
2: got a. F- uh, we could start all kinds of rumors if you wanted to. I mean, like, who? Kn- I have absolutely no idea. But
1: doesn't it make more sense that it's like uh, a random trainer? Or or something. I, don't I just
2: know. I'm just having a hard time thinking of somebody that would only have direct contact with Baker and not direct contact with somebody else. Like it makes me think it's like somebody But, but in, it was
1: also the bye week. It was also the bye week. So it's like their contacts are probably limited.
2: Yeah, so there's only so, always like, so many people in f-
1: the in the room.
2: From the PR or marketing staff. You know what I mean? Yeah, and they're like doing something with Baker and like, you know, it makes sense because it's the, the starting quarterback and he's the only one that, you know, I, I think it's most likely something like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. But he, he had exposure to someone who tested positive for COVID. Baker is continually not tested. If he continues to not test positive up until Wednesday, then he will be free to practice again on Wednesday. Wednesday. Yeah. Um, And then obviously free to free to play the game. So there's reason for optimism that Baker will be here. This upcoming week, he will be our starting quarterback on Sunday. That's the operating assumption that I'm under as of right now. Um, so we got, we got the Texans this week. Where do you guys see that game going? Uh, the line is something like three. Um, Browns are going to win. Um, but I, I, I'm interested to th- hear your guys' perspective on where you think the key matchups are going to be in this Browns-Texans game.
1: Well, the Texans have two wins on the year, and they're both against the Jags. So, that's if
2: that tells you anything.
1: We're we're not the Jags, so it's looking up, I think. But um, they've
2: scored points. Like they're they're one of those teams that has doesn't have a lot a, of wins to their name. They've had
1: a brutal schedule.
2: Yeah, they don't have a lot of wins to their name, but they scare me a little bit. Like the, I'm I don't get the impression that we're going to just like roll over the Texans necessarily. The,
1: o- the only thing that scares me is Deshaun Watson, but he's good enough to, to scare you in and of himself. Uh, David Johnson is in the concussion protocol. So Duke Johnson might get a bunch of carries against the Browns, which would be interesting to watch. Um, I'm not sure. I feel better about that than if David Johnson was getting the carries. I don't know. Um, they, haven't been able to stop people on defense like their defense isn't great particularly their past defense has been has been troublesome uh, it'll be interesting to see how we attack them uh they just don't have a lot to be super excited about they've given away a lot of their talent to be honest yeah i'm hopeful that
2: um our run game gets a little bit back on track and we can kind of just like manage and control the game i think it might end up being kind of a boring game um uh, but that I I'm hopeful that it's going to be a boring game where the Browns are kind of in control for, for a majority of it.
1: I like our matchup, um, our secondary against their wide receivers, uh, our corners against their wide receivers. I mean, it's, it's the type of wide receivers that Denzel Ward enjoys playing against where his lack of size doesn't become kind of a, a, a hindrance. He's, he's not going to get out muscled for, for staff against Brandon cooks and, um, What's the face? Will Fuller. I mean, he can run with them down the field. So that looks optimistic. I I never like our safeties against anybody, but we'll see. They I, they don't have tight ends that are dangerous, quote unquote. Over the middle of the
0: field. Yeah, and I always like Ten Basically against everybody he goes up against, especially old skinny knees, Will Fuller. <laughs> Breaking left and right. Um all right. Well, we already had that whole segment on Dame. We're just gonna move right along. We're going to go into the lines. I mentioned that the Browns are favored by three points. Um, what else do we have on the docket? Yeah, Did we'll I... save
2: that one for last. Let's go like right in order and go as we normally do with the Thursday night game. Colts heading to our hometown of Nashville, Tennessee to play the Titans with the Titans favored by one and a half points. We were talking about all these lines, how they look like ones that are fairly obvious. This is the only game that I am – curious about which side you think is obvious. Mark, I'll let you pick first.
0: I'm going with the Titans. Okay. Titans by more. Uh I I think the Titans are the best team in this division. The Colts have not been tremendously impressive to me throughout the season. They've been adequate. Um but the Titans have flashed and the Titans have had bad games where they lost against the Bengals. I think they overlooked them. They're certainly not going to overlook their division rival, the Indianapolis Colts. Matthew, do you agree?
1: I, I agree with Mark. Um, Colts have looked good up until this last week and kind of got owned by the Ravens. So was not what I was expecting, um, but makes me think that the Titans are at least a point and a half better than the Colts. Okay. I've got the Colts in this game.
2: I like the way that they look with Darius Leonard back a little bit healthy. I think they looked particularly bad um, against the Browns. It seems like that was possibly their worst game of the season. They were in that game against the Ravens this week until the end. Like they didn't pull it out in the second half, but they, they were there. Um, I just like I like their defense a little bit, and I knew that you guys would both pick the Titans, so I picked the Colts.
0: Hmm.
2: Setting yourself back. There you go. Oh, would, did we mention that we went 100 last week? It's a good point. We all um, it was kind of boring for this segment, but we all picked the same two teams. And we had a clean sweep last week, six wins out of our six picks, which, Gosh, which we're feels so good. Smart. Feels good. It's good that it went in that direction and not the <laughs> other direction because we'd probably have to just retire the segment if that was the case. Um, Sunday night. Sunday night. Still, Sunday still night. an option. <laughs> <laughs> Sunday night <laughs> is the Ravens um, heading to New England. The struggling New England Patriots. Ravens are scheduled by, or our favorite to win by seven points. So we've got Baltimore at New England. Even though they're getting seven points, I just don't see the Patriots being able to do much against the Ravens. Like, even though seven points is a lot, I'm still going with the Ravens in this game. Um, Matthew, I'll kick it to you.
1: Yeah, the Pats are currently losing to the Jets. So there's, there's no universe where you lose to the Jets and then I pick you to cover seven points against the Ravens. So I'm going Ravens.
2: Mark?
0: Yes. Okay.
2: <laughs> and so now we're to the Browns and the Texans. The line on that game, as you mentioned already, Mark, is three points. Browns are favored. Um, it's at Cleveland. Um, so it's a home game for the Browns. Um, who do I want to pick this one? I'll let Mark go first. Yeah, I'm going with the Browns
0: um, through and through. The Texans have played some some close games. They've played people tough. They've played people tight. But ultimately, I, I think we're better than a lot of the teams that they've played. Matthew?
1: This kind of reminds me of the Dallas game in, in the matchup where the, the defense is terrible. The only thing I'm really worried about is them being able to throw the ball over the top. On us, and the Browns seem to come out with a good uh, game plan there and, and handle everything. So I'm going to go. I'm going to go with the Browns. I'll yeah. take. I'll take the points. Um,
2: I'm going with the Browns too because I'm a homer and because I think that this coaching staff, coming off a bye week and with this team getting healthy, like those things all line up against a team that hasn't been able to win. Versus the Browns being a team that has been able to pull out most of the wins in like close games. We forgot like to TV say Bears. this is
1: the Romeo Cronell revenge game. Mm.
2: <sighs> Romeo. Do you think Romeo Cronell has like a I don't think he's a, like I don't think he's a vengeful person. Yeah. He doesn't so strike
1: either. me as that. He's much more of a teddy bear than yeah. than than that. He's more reflective than that. I feel like he's he's looking forward to coming to Cleveland and Visiting old friends. There's part of me that wonders if he even remembers coaching the Browns. Maybe <laughs> he's just written it off.
2: Yeah, like, he's just kind of, like, moving on. Just looking forward. Whatever. Like, you know, yeah, I, I suppose I did do that at one point. Like, I my, don't know.
0: My favorite memory is how he would just kind of try to, like, wiggle field goals in with his body. <laughs> he would just kind of, like, Belly. shake it in. Shimmy, shimmy. Oh, we missed again. <laughs>
2: Not in that era. That was a Phil Dawson era. Yeah, that's true. Anyways.
0: Good days. Honestly, one of my favorite ex-Browns coaches. I'm, I'm glad that Romeo is getting his stint with the Texans. Not going to get another chance to be an NFL coach, almost assuredly. So, I have he's have another day in the spotlight.
1: There we
2: go.
0: Um, well, that's going to wrap up our podcast. Thank you so much for giving us your time. If you enjoyed this podcast, enjoyed listening to Dane, enjoyed listening to us, Why don't you tell one of your friends about it? We would really, really appreciate it. Um, And if you think there's something we should talk a little bit more about, send us an email, sinofourfathers at gmail.com, or follow us on Twitter um, at us there, at sinofourfathers. Thanks so much, guys. Go Browns. Go Browns.